Hey folks, welcome to CTF Radio. I'm Adam D and I have, as always, Zardis with me. You want to say hi again? Hey everybody. And so today we have a super interesting uh, episode for you today. So this is going to be the first episode where we're expanding beyond DEF CON and over, Order of the Overflow and we're talking to other CTF organizers. So who do we have? Uh, what's the CTF that we're going to be talking about today, Jan? So today's a very special CTF, one of the um, kind of uh, awesome events of the year. It's Google CTF. And we're Ooh. talking with one of the lead organizers of Google CTF, Eduardo. So awesome. So on that note, Eduardo, why don't you come in and let's clap for him, Jan. <laughs> Always nice to have uh, cool people here. So thanks for being here, Eduardo. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your you know, busy job at Google to talk to us here about Google CTF. Uh, but before we get into that, maybe we can uh, know a little bit more about you and your background. So how did you first, how did you, you know, get into CTFs? Uh, so thanks, thanks for inviting me. I, I think uh, I, I'm really happy to uh, get a chance to talk about all these works from uh, like a lot of people as we probably talk about later. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I got started um, maybe 10 years ago or so in the CISO CTF um, okay. from, from Dan. Um, and yeah. And you, you have, were organizing or, or playing? No, playing, playing. Uh, I was one of the, uh, we won. <laughs> um, but the, <laughs> yeah, but the, I stopped playing for a while, mostly because it was like a one-off team. It wasn't like established team or anything. And uh, yeah, I freelanced. Uh, so to speak, between teams. Oh, uh, freelance player. That's interesting. <laughs> like LeBron. Like, which team am I going to take my talents to next? <laughs> well, it's 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 mostly like whoever uh, invites me in a day that I have time, and uh, it worked out. So um, most recently, I've been playing with ESPR. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway. So the the it, it started as a, I don't know uh, people just playing for fun and asking me if I have time on the weekends and. Uh, it, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. And whenever I did, uh, it's 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 fun. Mostly at the beginning, I I wasn't super excited about them because I felt they were maybe maybe too easy. Like not not too, not not in that way, but it was like a <laughs> artificially making problems easier than it is in real life. Like right, so something that uh, will like the fact that you know that there's a problem uh, gets you mm -hmm. so much ahead of the game. And uh, yep. and and yeah, that, I felt like that was kind of weird. And uh, my, my background was mostly about bug hunting, so finding bugs in like real boxing companies and things like that. So yeah, and they might not be there. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's always <laughs> bugs, but you know, you don't, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't yeah. know that if it was placed there intelligently by a person that wants you to find it, right? Yeah. So actually, maybe you'll talk about design philosophy and so forth later. But um, in in our years of organizing ICTF, um, Adam and I and the the rest of the kind of ICTF team often brainstorm like what about having invulnerable services where some some services are invulnerable and then it was always you know deemed to be a, a terrible idea in terms of game design um, so a CTF is definitely something very different in that regard yeah I, I think one one of the things that uh, I've been I well that was at the beginning right so nowadays I think mm -hmm. about this slightly different like I I, I, don't, I now I like it but at the beginning I, I wasn't so excited and uh, one of the things that we notice is that people find issues that we didn't expect and uh mm -hmm. that is essentially the same as uh as, as real security research and uh what the, the insight here i guess or, or one way of thinking about it is that actually it's not that different from from real security research given that so many people find unintended issues that are easier than the issues that we planted on purpose and, and the reason is just <laughs> that it's so hard to build secure software that uh building insecure software that is only insecure in one way is even well, it's, it's at the very least as hard, but is in, in, in practice is harder just because... Yeah, you have uh, the same problem, right? At least in, in one hand, it's nice because you're not building production software that has to work across, you know, everyone's browser and uh, know, but, IE6 or whatever. But but the problem is that you still have... So the, the it's only 48 hours. And, and when it doesn't work for one hour, like if, you, if, you're, if your downtime yeah. is one hour for a year, then that's okay. If your downtime is one hour, one hour before the CTF ends or whatever, that's yeah. uh, everybody's gonna hate you for it, and and you oh, yeah. you ruin uh, an otherwise fun experience and make everyone hate you <laughs> all of a sudden, like in like one hour, it goes from that to that. So uh, yeah, that that 
I, I like it now, but uh, I remember at the beginning, I thought that was one of the weird things about it. And I ran a, a, war, a war game for for a long time as well. And the, uh -huh. the war game, I think, was very similar to a CTF in the sense that it's also planted vulnerabilities and so on. Right. But uh, it was mostly for educational purposes. So I, I felt like that was different in the sense like, okay, I want to teach people things. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, this is how they learn. But the CTFs are way more competitive. They, they are not just about like learning, but are also in some way or form like sports. So um, then it's not exactly. just like about teaching people how to run. It's about seeing who is the fastest or uh, who is the strongest and, and whatnot. And, and that... Right, which is a very different approach. And that actually can maybe something we can touch on in terms of organizing a CTF, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what is the point? Like you mentioned Seesaw or Pico CTF or other good ones that are more geared towards, especially Seesaw, like the undergrad competition, right? It's geared more towards people who are new to CTFs and not experts, whereas something on the other end of the spectrum, Google CTF or um, DEF CON CTF, right? Our goal is to exactly see who runs the fastest, right? And so like not everybody gets to play in the Olympics, right? <laughs> Just because you can run. I, I, I will say that Seesaw oftentimes, even though it's open to everyone, oftentimes the undergrad teams actually win, right? It, it might be a different, uh, you know, amount of, of effort put in or something along those lines, but um it's hard to write them out like this last weekend as of recording time in uh you know september 2020 seesaw just finished yesterday and, and an undergrad team beat out the rest of the world nice yeah so it it happened in the in one of the chinese ctfs it's called wctf uh maybe last year mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. there was a challenge that we made uh, in wctf every team brings a challenge uh brings two challenges and uh cool. we not that there were some challenges that nobody from the top teams uh, had solved, but the the high well not the high the student CTFs the student players uh, were already solving those tasks. So there, there were some tasks where <laughs> they, and and the problem with WCTF is that all the challenges are unreasonable. Well, not not all the challenges, but most of the challenges are unreasonable because you you bring the challenges right. So you don't want people to yeah. to solve your challenge because otherwise they get the points and you don't. So the yeah so they they, they are all very hard. Uh, is it's, a, it's all the challenges are super hard. There's only like two, uh, there's um, anyway, it doesn't matter. So the, the point is that the the fact that some student teams were able to solve some challenges that the top teams were not able to solve uh, kind of shows that at least even though they were not at the same scores, they, they had some some skills that uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So well, maybe let's let's wind the clock back a little bit. So your first, you know, CTF was Seesaw 2010 ish. Where were you kind of in your career? So this is your first time, you know, playing in a CTF. Were you uh, in in school? Were you still learning? Were you an established kind of security person? Kind of where were you in that that aspect? Um, well, I, I definitely was studying because I think we needed to be students to be able to participate. Okay, so this is the undergrad. <laughs> I don't, undergrad I don't actually okay. remember the dates, uh, but it's, it was 20, 28, 28, so it probably was around that time. Um, the... Yeah, I haven't. I think I was working maybe as a contractor for High Five, a social network, but I was studying as well. Um, okay. Yeah, and the the team, my teammates were one from Australia, the other one from the US, and so on. So it was kind of like a an, an international uh, team. Um, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, cool. yeah, after that, then I uh, maybe in twenty twenty nine, I already was. Uh, I was already working full time. Uh, I didn't finish university, so it's it. I kind of skipped <laughs> a few things. <laughs> but the yeah. But then I, I and I've been in Google for ten years, so you make the, the oh cool awesome. So, so you had a, a non traditional track into the security industry. Um, yeah, uh, right. more, more through through applied hands on knowledge than through. Uh, like an, a formal education. Yeah, but mo most of my, well, at the time, uh, my, there's multiple people in my team with the same kind of path. Okay. So it's kind of normal, at least for, for, okay. I mean, cool. it's maybe not super normal, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome. Don't think that because we're, you know, professors in the academy that we, you know, judge or look down on that. I think that's totally <laughs> awesome. And I think that, you know, the, like you said, there's many different paths into, you know, information security or whatever you want to call, uh, cybersecurity um, in the industry. And I think that's great that there are those paths, right? Like you shouldn't be, and that's actually one of the things that Jan likes to talk about is that, you know, these skills, you, you know, the only thing stopping you from going and learning this is your own self. You can go out, there's so many resources and everything that you can yeah. go out and learn 
uh, with the war games that you mentioned or other types of things, right? That you shouldn't feel that you're being held back because you don't have this formal education. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm super grateful for the community, the, the fact that there's so much content online and uh, like the, the freedom that, of knowledge and uh, always sharing stuff. And, and the things that always frustrated me the most about uh, like Mozilla not open sourcing the exploits always frustrated me the most because I wanted to learn how to do this. And <laughs> all of them were like restricted. Like those of like the fact that most of the community is very open was mainly the reason that a lot of us like didn't need like formal education to, to get Yeah, it. no, I think that's great. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful point. And that's, I think, speaks to the hacker ethos, right? Is like we, you know, we, we want to share information. I mean, that's what actually as academics, we also love, right? We want to share as much as we can, the tools, the data sets that we're building, because it's good for everyone. If you can, you know, start from build on the shoulders of giants. I think that's great. Yeah. Cool. So then maybe we can uh, focus a little bit now onto Google CTF. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the history behind it? Like, how was it created? Who was in, and it, who was and is involved? And how long has Google CTF been around? Yeah, so not all at once. <laughs> not <laughs> like, uh, no, so the um, the CTF was started by Andrew. Uh, he is not in Google anymore, but uh, he was supposed to run it on 2015. But he was building most of the challenges himself, so it took until 2016 Oof. to be able to launch it. Um, so that that yeah, so he started it, and uh, it ran and. One of the interesting things that happened was that we accidentally leaked all the challenges two weeks before the CTF started. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we had to, well, I, I was not involved yet. So, uh, the team had to build challenges within two weeks, right? So, that uh, created mm -hmm. two things uh, all of a sudden. One, suddenly there was a bigger team of people uh, helping. <laughs> um, and two, it it attracted a lot of attention because when we leaked the challenges, uh, we posted them as teaser, so uh, people could play them. Uh, because yeah, they were they, they, the the cat was out of the bag, so uh, we might as mm -hmm. well do something with the challenges. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, so everybody got very excited about it because the challenges were good, and uh, and then they played. And, and then the next year, uh, given that it was so much effort for one person, or it, it was a small team, it wasn't just one person. It was maybe five people mm -hmm. at most. Uh, to write the challenges as part of a, as a 20% project in Google, we have this thing called uh, right, right. Um, then one of my reports, the, I'm the manager of a few people in the team and was thinking about how to take it from there. So part of my job as their manager was like, okay, so how can we make this, uh, like, it's not a business case, but something like that. And uh, <laughs> at the end, uh, I ended up talking to like all the leads in the team and so on. And then we were trying to figure out like, okay, so if we are going to do this as a team, uh, like as adopted as part of our team, our team is like a hundred mm -hmm. people or so. It's like the vulnerability section of the security team. Um, and the, if we were going to do this, we had to do it like, like really well. Like we, we thought it, it had to be like uh, worthy of putting Google's name on it or something like that. So uh, that led us into a path of over exhaustion of resources, <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, we we as we can talk about it later. But uh, we we had to fix uh, several times, uh, leading to where to the point where we are now. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. quality and difficulty, like m making it so that it was good for the top teams and also uh, good for beginners, and also uh, lots of testing, like uh, or the quality had to be good and uh, figure out right. how we do the testing properly, how to do quality control properly and so on. Um, how to do the design of the challenges because all we didn't know. So all of the team is, uh, comes not all of the team, but most of the team comes from experienced CTF uh, teams. Mm -hmm. So either like from PPP, from uh, uh, Dragon Sector, from ESPR, from Intrepid, from uh, 217 and so on. So the, the it, there is the expertise there already. The right. the point was like okay so we have we can do one so how do we do like a really good one and uh, yeah that that I don't know how much we we're still learning every year um, and being oh, inside I think is. being inside <laughs> you've also just given me anxiety and nightmares when you said that the challenges were the leak two yeah two weeks that's, beforehand that's, that's, that's I got wrong. flashbacks of like how insane I would feel if that happened <laughs> in, our, in in any of our yeah. CTFs like oh whew. Um, so. 
But uh, what you bring up about balancing um, for beginners and, uh, you know, absolute top of their, their uh, the CTF world type players, something that is very, very, very hard. Um, it's something that we actually explicitly, almost explicitly ignore for DEF CON, mm -hmm. right? Um, when we approach DEF CON, we often think, okay, this is kind of um, an event for top hackers. And uh, if you're just learning, I'm sorry, you can, of course, try to approach this. But, but And you should. That's, I think, the other thing should. is we say you should try these things. But, yeah, from a, like a resource perspective, right? It's yeah. like when we have it's to just, devo just... devote our resources to something, yeah. we should you know, devote as much time as possible to make the best challenges that will, you know, like you said, the obstacle course that is correctly going to determine who's, you know, the best hackers, right? Yeah. Um, so I think the we, the approaches that we took for that, well, there's, uh, the, every year, as I said, we learn new things. But the yep. original, the first year that our the new team, so not Andrew and... and, uh, and I <laughs> Not think just was, one person. <laughs> no, it was not just Andrew. It was... Uh, <laughs> my, um, Nero probably and Andrew and uh, I shouldn't anyway. So yeah, when yeah, they organized right. it, uh, I think mm -hmm. it was um, one one like we, we didn't we learned some of things from the postmortem. So every year we do this uh, postmortem, but uh, most of the learnings came from just experience of doing it year after year. And uh, yeah, so the the first year we didn't have a beginners uh, any anything beginners related. It was just top teams, uh, top difficulty. And mm -hmm. one of the problems was that because we made a Google blog post, we got lots of interest from like students ah. and so on. So they didn't like it too much. Like they, in City of Time, everyone was uh, happy about it. But like right. the, um, the offline feedback we got was that uh, people felt like um, they should stop looking into information security because they cannot solve. We had Ah, but yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, so it was like, okay, yo, we, we don't want that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what we did the second year was that we did something called the Beginner's Quest, in which we mm -hmm. had the CTF happen at the same time as an unrelated competition. Uh, the second one was not a competition, an unrelated thing uh, that we call the Beginner's Quest. And it was just like a war game with like easier challenges. Um, people liked it, and uh, it was they were not super easy. Um, so we still had some... Uh, people say like, oh my God, the beginner's quest, I cannot even solve one. But uh, it, it was a lot better, right? So uh, people were happy mm -hmm. about it and so on. We did the same the second year. The second year we had more of a story. And uh, this year we, so one of the things that happened last year is, uh, so one of the things that we did for the beginner's quest is that uh, as part of the story, we encouraged people to go to IRC and ask questions to uh, mm. a bot. But it wasn't a bot, it was us. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and still people always confused whether it was a human or not. Um, but it, they they believed it sometimes, so it was great. So the um, yeah, so part of it it was like for one weekend uh, you have a chance to have like conversations with the security team and uh, mm -hmm. they try to teach you about things for like just for forty eight hours. Like we had this rotation. Um, and one of the things that we, we noticed was that the, there were people solving the beginner's quest on streams. Um, and it wasn't a competition, like who was the fastest or whatever, but there were multiple streams going uh, at, at the time. And it was very interesting to see them, how they solved the challenges. Um, also, there's like lots of YouTube videos of people solving the challenges in the beginner's quest and so on. And because they are more accessible, it lend themselves to that. So uh, right, what right. we were thinking for this year was that maybe we can do something like that. Like, I don't know if you know Pony Racing from uh, mm -hmm. Tattoo. So yeah. Uh, yeah, doing a speed run uh, where we have commentators as well trying to uh, go to go through the process of solving like speed run challenge, like so essentially pony racing, but uh, mm -hmm. not just pony racing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's what we're trying this year. So this year we had uh, one challenge per category that was easy, and uh, for the normal Google CTF, and we're doing for the top sixteen teams uh, speed run that is also targeted for, for beginners in some way or form where we, where we have the commentators explaining um, like why this works this way or, or how to do this or how to do that and, and so on. So the, the idea is to try to, yeah, do something that is more accessible to beginners uh, even if they aren't immediately able to, to solve the challenges on the beginner's quest or, or, or whatnot, they can still follow through something without them getting disappointed right. that it's too hard for me or something like that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I think seeing, you know, I think that's a you know, great approach to try to like see the tools and techniques that people are using. Oh, right? yeah. I think that's the other thing as a, yeah. as a beginner, you often don't even know, you know, maybe you're approaching things, but you're using object dump and strings, which can get you decently far right at the start. But as you get, you know, slightly more advanced challenges, you probably need to, you know, pro up your tooling a little bit just to make it slightly easier. And that I think seeing those environments and seeing how people, you know, uh, one of the stories I like is we uh, also did speed runs for DEF CON 27 quals. And that was insane remember, seeing yeah. people pop a buffer overflow in like five minutes or four minutes. And then we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we asked the uh, top team and it was, I'll have to, I'll link their name in the, and their Twitter handle in the show notes, but they were, you know, it was a 17 year old kid in Korea who just is very, Korean very, badass, yeah, exactly. So Nice. Yeah, yeah I, cool. I, I remember that 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 uh, that Defcon calls. Uh, I had uh, one of my teammates. He wasn't. He was still doing it for. He wasn't doing it for the points because I think the points like dumped super quickly. Yeah, they dropped off very quickly. But he was having so much fun <laughs> that he spent the whole time doing that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So like, actually, that's a good example of I think that resource allocation thing. Like, I did all twelve of those speedrun challenges and nothing else that entire CTF. Right. So. You know, that was the only thing I was doing is making these easy beginner style challenges when I could have been making, you know, more difficult, at least one, maybe two difficult challenges. So, yeah, it's a weird resource problem that you need to do this stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's very tricky. I think um, actually just to add one thing to the tooling question, mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time it's not necessarily individual tools, but whole paradigms that beginners miss so a beginner might approach every single reversing problem with gdb right and so a dynamic reversing tool rather than a, a static reversing tool or vice versa right i right? might not realize that hey actually if you run this we don't have to understand like every single instruction here um getting that like conveying that to a to a um you know initiate into into security is actually very surprisingly tricky Oh, and I think the other thing about that, Jan, is also like mindset as you're approaching yeah. things, right? Especially something like reverse engineering. I know yeah. I've fallen victim of playing, I think it was probably either DD Tech or one of those, probably a DD Tech year where I was reversing a binary and just like in IDA, you know, got super deep into functions trying to figure out what they were. Yeah. And after like 12 hours or something, I finally realized like, oh, this is the stupid backdoor functionality that the organizers put in to check the health of the service. It has nothing <laughs> to do with the rest of it. So if I had gotten better about being able to like kind of look a little bit and then say like, eh, I'm going to pop back up the stack and like continue exploring, right? I think that's something that you people develop with time. And it wasn't, you know, I, I'm a web guy. So, you know, me reversing binary is like all I would do in DEF CON. <laughs> But, but the concepts finals apply. Will struggle. <laughs> yeah, the concepts apply in web and crypto. Uh, when I first started in on on crypto challenges, I would go down these insane tangents. Like, all right, let's break, uh, you know, whatever just <laughs> discrete logarithm. Let's 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 solve this. You know, it was uh, the the wrong route to take. Whereas you know, there is a right route of understanding the bigger picture and understanding where. The flaws are yeah one one thing that right. you were talking about uh reverse engineering and being a web guy i think the, <laughs> nowadays web is a lot of reverse engineering especially as more of the code gets moved to to the client and uh, yes. a lot of the code is compiled to javascript from like random languages and uh, like like as, as soon as you start compiling things to support all browsers you start uh, implementing features in javascript that are not there before so the the code there are no reverse engineering tools that are as good as IDA or, or well, maybe Jira or so, uh, but for web reverse engineering. So uh, one, some of the things that you, like, I don't know, I think uh, reverse engineering skills for web security research are going to be more important as we go through and we get more of those languages that aren't um, just JavaScript, but uh, things that compile right. down. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think it's still possible. Uh, I, at least yeah, especially I think it's a great point, especially in CTFs, right? So you, you know, either if it's a JavaScript challenge, right, you'll have the source or often I think some of the best web challenges are the ones that just give you the source off the bat, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you, it's not like a, you're still reverse engineering when it's a black box challenge, right? You're trying to understand from the outside how this remote service works. Mm -hmm. When you have the code, 
especially like I, I still think of and remember a lot of oranges uh, challenge uh, challenges where just be like, here's six lines of PHP. <laughs> You're like, I understand every every line in this code and I cannot find the bug, but one does exist. So Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, 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 I literally like orange challenges, yeah. Awesome. Cool. So then, so then for preparing for this year for Google CTF, we obviously had kind of crazy COVID challenges. Uh, so how did you kind of, did that change the way you approached uh, Google 2020 or Google CTF 2020? I don't know how you prefer to say that. <laughs> we, it made it easier uh, yeah. because the hardest thing that we were going to have to do was to explain why this year we were going to have one event rather than two. And we didn't right. have to explain it. <laughs> and uh, we, so uh, er one as in uh, just just the CTF rather than a qualifier and a final event. Yeah, something like that. Is that what you mean? So uh, sometime in January, we before we knew that COVID was going to be a big deal. And it was end of January, so we we heard it about it in the news, right? But it wasn't like mm -hmm. it, right, right. It was like a small thing. It hadn't impacted yet. Yeah, it it, it sounded as bad as SARS, uh, like the first SARS, which still right. was serious, but it didn't sound like it was going to be like a global pandemic yes. uh, type of problem. So uh, we decided at that point that we we were going to have only one event. We we still didn't know the details about it, if it was going to be on-site or online or both at the same time or whatever. So uh, the question was, okay, so if it's going to be on-site, we need to select which teams to invite. And if it's going to be online, then we have to figure out like, okay, but we want to have an on-site, so maybe next year we do on-site or not this year. And uh, as the meetings went through, uh, the reality of we're not going to have an on-site event became clear. So it's like, okay, so we don't need any finals. Uh, <laughs> so then we're only going to have one event. Um, so in retrospect, uh, that was the thing I was most concerned about is like, okay, so how mm -hmm. do we like present this uh, without it being like weird? Because yeah, we wanted to have a way to select the teams to invite and it was difficult for us right. to select them. And yeah, we didn't have to. <laughs> so now next year we, we know who we will invite, but uh, we don't have to do it through I don't know, weird selection processes where we had like a weird spreadsheet with like a bunch of points depending on a bunch of random things. Uh, yeah. yeah. That this seemed a lot fairer. And, and yeah, and, and for DEFCON, you, you guys have something similar with like the qualifying other CTFs uh, that helped you get into the DEFCON. So we were thinking about doing maybe something similar, but then we need to find which ones. And ah, it, it was. It, it is tricky, right? You have to, uh, and, and you have to deal with a lot of, um, you know, people will, will email like, hey, can you consider my CTF, right? But maybe you've already made all the decisions, or maybe it's it's kind of a you don't want to have people know. You don't want to have so much that nobody plays quals, right? You need to like <laughs> yeah. balance it between. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. also, or, or, what we learned. What did we learn our first year about uh, the number of teams that qualify for finals, Jan? Do you remember? <laughs> when we it's like twenty four teams. Yeah, yeah, that that was way too many. <laughs> yeah, why? Why was it too many? There were many reasons. Uh, you there, there, there's uh, many, many, many reasons. Um, one of them is just uh, capacity at finals. Yeah, right? physical like, space. That's yeah. something we didn't really think of when yeah. our very first year. We just thought like, ah, twenty four teams would be great, and oh, then we yeah. well, what could go wrong? Yeah, we tell DefCon twenty four teams, and they're like, uh, what? what? It's never been this large, and the room we have you in is not that big, so. <laughs> There, had, there was some last minute shuffling. And I mean, it, it just goes, uh, you know, in, an in-person event, one of our uh, big challenges is the fire marshal, right? Mm -hmm. Because the fire marshal wants to make sure that, you know, if there's a fire, people don't just like die in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And if there are, you know, 300 people in the room or whatever, then it, the bad things will happen. Yeah. Could happen. Yeah. So, and then running cables, like the number of teams for an attack defense final, like significantly increases the complexity of your, you know, infrastructure, and then you have to host all these teams and their services. And but probably Google has a, is is a better place to host a final event than than a random uh, Las Vegas uh, hotel room, room or hotel ballroom. You have yeah. to, uh, I don't know, <laughs> tape down all the cables and stuff. You you probably have ports in the floors or something along these lines. So both, uh, <laughs> uh, we we've taped, we we tape things on the, uh, cables on mm -hmm. the floor for sure. Um, but we also have production spaces in some of our events for sales and things like that, you know. Um, but no, I think uh, event spaces like um, like a, a DevCon hotel, like a Black Hat hotel, uh, like a Vegas hotel, um, mm -hmm. I think are very similar to the ones we, we end up having. And sometimes we, even for 10 teams, we invite 10 teams. Um, we would like to have more space. The 
like yeah. the, we it it doesn't sound like a lot but uh 10 teams already occupies a lot of space uh within yes. our larger uh event spaces in in, in google so we um i don't want I, I will have i would love that to have had the google ctf this year already so that i could tell you where we will oh well, i can tell you where we'll have it because we will not have it anymore so we we, we were going to rent uh, <laughs> perfect <laughs> so <laughs> we were going to rent a bunker it was not, it's not really a bunker but it was like a storage space underground in switzerland okay and uh it's it's gone uh someone else uh needed it for constructing someone there but it was like this huge no. uh underground vault that uh the, the the hardest problem was that it was going to be way too cold because there's no air conditioning <laughs> inside of it. Wow. So uh, we we were thinking that's that, what the computers are for. Uh, yeah, so we heaters. no, it's it's huge. You know, it's like a, a I don't remember, but super <laughs> super tall. And uh, the the problem was that okay, so how do we make sure that the the players don't like um, like I don't know get too cold? So we were thinking of giving mm -hmm. them hoodies or uh, a hat, <laughs> which. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we were sure that was going to be the coolest CTF ever, but uh, ah. not for that. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, at the end, we like couldn't the... make it happen. Oh, so it didn't, if do I remember correctly, that at one point Google was either doing or thinking about putting servers on barges and like running about them that, yeah. in the water based on the motion of the ocean would also go, yeah, just put the CTF players on a barge. I think that would be a great place. What to... could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I remember that uh, it, it, was a, it was a long time ago, but yeah, I, I was living in the yeah. US at the time. Uh, and yeah, there were a lot of rumors <laughs> about it. And uh, there was one barge, there was one of them somewhere in the Bay Area and everyone was talking about it mm -hmm. and uh, what is it yeah, for and why? And... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then, then uh, how did the Google CTF 2020 experience go? So like in your estimation, so, yeah, so it was uh, 48 hours, right? And, you know. It was 47 hours, 59 minutes and 59 47. seconds. <laughs> Ooh, nice, exactly. Um, so you started one second late. Yeah, one second. So you ended one second early. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. Yes, fifty-eight seconds. Sorry, we we start one second late and we finish one second early. And and the reason was because uh, it confused people to figure out the time zones. So we figured this was easier to say yeah. this is the day it starts uh, because like otherwise I don't know if it's the day before or whatever. So anyway, right. um, the I think being uh, inside is harder because you know all of the things that went wrong. Um, mm -hmm. which is not the case when you are on the outside. When you're on the outside, you only see if you are the unlucky person that got the yeah. 500 error. Um, then... You only see things that went really wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, from our perspective, like, okay, so we had, like, several challenges with intended solutions. We uh, we had some issues with infrastructure. We had a problem with the scoreboard where, like, in Firefox, Certain challenges were not visible in the in the UI because of some CSS problems. Oh, so the, the, oh. it was like lots of little issues, right? And uh, we had this war room where, like here, we, we had a video call, and we all mm -hmm. uh, like were discussing all these problems. So I think the second day was very quiet, but the first day it was like um, problems every every five minutes. Like uh, oh, like the, there's this, there are servers spiking on this thing. We need to add more things or. Yeah. Um, someone find a problem with this challenge. Uh, how did they solve it? Uh, because we thought this was not possible. How did they solve it so fast? That's a common one. That, that, that we that we're like, like oh, uh, this should have taken them two days uh, <laughs> or a day and a half. Uh. Yeah, that definitely happened. And and then the the most heated discussions here how how to fix the challenge because uh, right. we don't yeah. want to fix yes. the challenge it's and beautiful. make it unfair for them, but we also want yes. to not provide like a guessy experience to players. Yes. So that right. like. Yeah, all, all of these discussions of being like, okay, so ideally we would not change anything, and then, um, but we want to change something because otherwise it sucks for everyone. So how do right. we find a compromise somehow? And uh, eventually, I think we did uh, okay decisions on the on the issues that we had to do, but internally, like uh, everything was like ah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but uh, it definitely is very interesting to have all these discussions of like. Uh, so what do we do now and uh, right. balancing all these different uh, things and then at the end sometimes what we do is we just ask the the, the players that will be affected um, like sometimes we have to undo points or whatever right so then mm -hmm. yeah uh, so it, it's interesting <laughs> do you go in, uh, what we've always done um, in the past which might not be an ideal solution um, and and there's definitely problems with it uh, is 
we would release like an, a second challenge with whatever issue fixed. Um, now this, this had problems. The first challenge might be left too guessy or the um, uh, various other drawbacks to or, that. Approach. I mean, one but, drawback, right, that's clear is like, well, but if you did solve the first one in an intended way, it basically almost doubles your points, right? Yeah. So now that challenge and that bug is essentially worth Double, double the points. It also makes the first challenge easier because the people can, uh, the players can diff, can diff. the two. Yeah. Um, so exactly. The, yeah, especially if it's a binary or something like that. Or like that becomes. So we, we had this problem in in one of the tasks, and we well we had this in two of the tasks. <laughs> um, so one of them we released a second challenge that didn't give points. Um, so that was so, very cool. So people. That's actually the first I've seen of that. Did, did you guys come up with that yourself, or is that something you draw drew from your past experiences? Uh, it was Jan Gora, one of our uh, the author of the challenge. Uh, really, really didn't want to uh, like because he spent so much time trying finding this bug, right? That he wanted to present yeah. to the world. So uh, yeah. Can you talk about the bug? Yeah. So it, it it was a web challenge. It's called All the Little Things, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the 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 name is. A hint so it's all the little things uh, and it's supposed to be all is supposed to be the trick so in it's a web challenge um, so the idea is that there is one uh, property in, in JavaScript in the DOM that uh, when you check for for its existence it it returns false when you try to assign something to it it doesn't throw um, ah. but it doesn't. Uh, I worked on that challenge. That's why I'm thinking of yeah. this. I didn't uh, <laughs> read the write-ups of the actual intended solutions. This is amazing. Please yeah, and the, the uh, uh, so when you assign something to it, it doesn't work, and uh, it also is collaborable with. Um, it's not collaborable, but like if you assign something to it, it references a global namespace, and the 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 solution, the intended solution, was to use document.all which is the property that does this. And the reason that browsers implement it in this weird way is because of backwards compatibility uh, with Internet Explorer, whatever, five, six, I wow. don't know. Amazing. Yeah, so it's like this weird, impossible to replicate uh, <laughs> behavior in, in JavaScript, but that, yeah, it essentially allowed for a specific type of bug that uh, otherwise wasn't possible to, to implement. One thing that we found out, unfortunately, is that uh, one of the other parts of the chain of the bug allowed to bypass that step completely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so people could still find Google, people could still solve the challenge in a cool and interesting way. It's just not as cool as we as he wanted it to be. Right. So uh, yeah, so then that, the idea was okay, so we can just release a second step, but we didn't want to add uh, hints because if we added a hint, uh, it it wasn't fair to the teams that had solved it already. But we still wanted yes. to present the idea. So uh, yeah, and the the idea came up, and then it was okay. <laughs> so that's uh, amazing. Yeah. So this is, I think, a great, um, a couple of great things. A, it's really good as organizers to understand that other people also feel like their hair is on fire when they're yeah, organizing and yeah, running a CTF, yeah, yeah. even if it appears it's not just outside. Us. Yeah, but I think this there's a very interesting thing that happens when you're organizing. Is like sometimes it's like peak insanity when you're trying to deal with some issue, and then followed by two hours of boredom because like nothing is happening and you're just watching logs waiting for something to happen. Right. Uh, so I think that's a great thing that hopefully as we get more and more other organizers on here, we'll see that this is a common theme so that maybe people shouldn't be so afraid of that things. Things will be on fire. Like you said, you're throwing product, you know, code at a ton of hackers and they're going to find all kinds of unintended. I mean, on this, uh, concept there is a live stream somewhere an archived live stream of another ctf um and i unfortunately That's i don't right. remember the i name. can't remember the name i'll try to find um, it as you talk and and they did this incredible uh job under insane pressure where uh, live on stream they found out that someone had leaked all flags compromised their scoreboard instance i think or they had some unsafe uh mount somewhere uh, where from a challenge you could leak every flag and uh this player talked to them, said, hey, I leaked every flag. And, and so you could see live on stream, probably the worst case scenario of a CTF organizer, uh, right? Uh, which is, uh, as a CTF organizer, the worst case scenario is someone, you know, compromise your infrastructure to the point where they could break the game completely. It was and it was NahamCon CTF. I heard about this. Yeah. 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 yeah, and 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 on stream, not they, not they, and not to throw shade on them. The point no. is to like uh, give them props for you know. Yeah, and, dealing and, with and this they, and fixing things. 
they ran through the 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 CTF quite successfully, right? Mm -hmm. They they talked to the way they think you know the the, the player for, and then they fixed the problem, and the CTF com completed successfully, right? So the other takeaway is things are gonna break, and it's not that of the world. And then the other thing I will say that that, that your story reminded me of, Eduardo, is you know uh, oftentimes the other thing that players don't realize is we you know we like you said you have to debate amongst yourselves what to do when these these things happen right and so something that's lost and something that i know we try to get better at over time is like especially when this happens the second day with like eight hours left to go in the competition it's like oh what do you do like and this happened to us in you know defcon 28 quals i developed a web challenge that i modeled around bugs that i found in coursera's online grader and i thought it was a really cool challenge and then I released it and they solved it insanely fast. And I dug into it and I realized like, oh God, my tests, because I wanted it to be a multi-step. And the first one was like a very basic SQL, um, SQL injection thing. And of course, I stupidly had the, the raw username passwords in the database. And so they stole the username password of the user that had solved it, which was my test script, making sure that everything was up and working and were able to get the flag by just logging in as that user. And so, <laughs> and this was, you know, a silly mistake that I was so stupid uh, that I made that I didn't even, I, you know, I just didn't consider that, you know, vector. I was like, oh, they have to do this and this. And then, yeah, then we, and we had to make the decision at the time of like, okay, we've also said that we won't release any new challenges at this point in the CTF. But we, I think under duress, and now looking back, I probably wouldn't have done this, but we released a fixed version of the challenge. and was like, oh, surprise, there's a brand new challenge, which I think, you know, it's a similar type of thing. Like personally, I wanted this cool challenge with this cool bug that to be out there. Um, but at the same time, I probably should have real, I probably should have, you know, now thinking that like, this is an option, I probably should just release this as like a, Oh, a fixed un un uh, no points challenge at that point. So, or, yeah, or something you that... know, another possibility is use it as a tiebreaker challenge. One point. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Huh. Where it still has an impact for the, you know, the top teams. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting thought, Jan. So yeah, I just think it's good to see that these type of discussions and things happen to, you know, to people organizing CTFs. And there's no, I don't think as a community, we have a right answer, right? Because just like you said, Eduardo, we have a similar policy where once a challenge is solved, we try to give, you know, zero hints, nothing, because that's not fair to the team that solved it, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe with that same hint, they could solve it two hours earlier and have that bandwidth to work on a new challenge, right? So as long as everyone can solve it under the same amount of information, that's, I think, what, you know, the important thing is. So I think the takeaway is uh, CTS catch on fire, no matter how much you prepare. <laughs> that, that's probably what the F means on the CTS. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Fire. Amazing. Cool. So overall, how did you think about how Google CTF 2020 went? Were you, you know, happy? Yeah, we... I, mean, I was happy to play. I'll, I'll tell you as a player, you know, because I played those web challenges. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, this is the difficult thing with, you know, having a full academic job and also organizing DEF CON CTF. It's like my time to play CTFs is quite limited. And so, but I did play Google CTF because it has a great reputation. And, you know, I obviously want to try those challenges. And I got uh, halfway-ish through uh, all the little things. And so, yeah, that was amazing. I, I enjoyed playing those those challenges. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I think it went really well. But the, the problem is that, as I mentioned before, that uh, we only saw all the problems. So uh, yeah, I, I only went through like two of them, I think, in this call. Exactly. Uh, there, oh, there's there tons. Like, there's tons. Yeah, there's yeah. Several was... others. Yeah. So I, I think we, I think one of the things that is really cool is that we get to learn every year from from our mistakes. So uh, one of the things that will be even better will be if we had like a centralized repository or something like that of like postmortems or something like that, because um, yeah, like even even feedback from players. Like I think Redford gives very uh, pointed feedback to to CTFs when he doesn't like them, I guess. But um, but yeah, I think all, all of that, all, like being able to learn from pre previous organizers, like repositories in some way or form, um, will will really be helpful because there there is no competition. Right. I mean, uh, there is no real competition between CTF teams. Uh, sorry, <laughs> between CTF uh, organizers. organizers. Yeah. Yes, so yes, yes. Um, I think being able to to organize ourselves better. <laughs> Um, will yeah. will be will be really good, and that's one of the reasons why I really like this uh, idea of having this podcast and so on. Because I think it's a it's it's a way for us to communicate better. Um, the Slack, the city of Orange exactly. Slack, is also another very good way to do so. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think generally the the whole idea of of having better like 
documentation, better guidelines, better resources, and so on for organizers will will improve the community a lot. And um, yeah, and, uh, starting to talk about all of the problems that went wrong, and then analyzing them and sharing them with each other, and what wrong, what what why we didn't choose to do the one point uh, like right. thing, or why did we choose to do this other thing instead? Uh, like, what is the rationale? And maybe they are wrong. Maybe we are wrong. But at the end of the at the end of the days, it's it's not going to be like a life well maybe for some people but it's usually not like the life-changing problem that uh you made a wrong mis a, a wrong a wrong call but it can help every single ctf in the future especially if it's collated and organized properly so so yeah anyway yeah no that's a great point it's great <laughs> thanks for doing this oh yeah for sure and that's what we you know we feel that as I think it's also a, a sense of community, right? That we're all out there trying to organize CTFs. And like you said, we're doing this, you know, we're not getting paid to do this. We're doing this because we love CTFs and we love this game. And so that's, I think the, you know, the important thing of how can we learn from each other to do better is, is really important. Yeah, I think that's an important thing in, in organizing CTFs in general, all the CTFs that are big, I mean, technically speaking, right? You know, as a Google 20% project, someone pays you for it, but there are a lot of, easier things you could do with your 20% than run a and that are know, less stressful for 48 yeah, hours, you know, 47 hours CTF. and 59 minutes. And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, everyone does this out of, out of the, the, you know, passion for cybersecurity and the passion for the community. Um, so anything that kind of moves that community forward, uh, uh, the central repository of in some sense, best practices or, um, you know, the postmortems and, 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 uh, panic, uh, situations and stuff, uh, <laughs> would, would be good. Um, I mean, other interesting ideas are, um, that I've had are, are like, you know, a, in some sense, an on-call <clears throat> crisis team on the organizer Slack or a channel where you could say, Hey guys, we're running this and this CTF. We just had this issue. Uh, any advice, you know, like for, for but the, yeah, new organizers? I, I, I would love that as well. Like, uh, like we, we even had this discussion uh, on the, what is it called? On the leak uh, channel or whatever, where one of the problems is like, how do we, how do are we more consistent with our decisions or maybe not consistent, but at least more informed or, or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, I think the, the main problem is that if the team is play like the organizers, usually the organizers yes. are also players. Or they're all players mm -hmm. too. Yeah, yeah so it's it's a bit awkward of a conflict of interest, but I, I but yeah. I mean it's it's a good idea, and uh, I, I I would love to see how we can make it happen. Like if we have yeah. a commitment that uh, I don't know people that are on call don't get um, don't play, don't play or, or or only people that don't play are are hop in that channel right yeah, yeah maybe um, experienced for, players who are kind of retired or something yeah for, for uh, listeners that might be confused we're talking about um uh, a slack that uh, i guess cyphertext started uh that's a person started for ctf organizers um kind of worldwide um anyone that has organized cts can get an invite to that slack um just uh Ping ciphertext on on Twitter and uh, uh, come in and hang out. There's a lot of interesting discussion that happens. Um, standardization, mm -hmm. um, challenge design, challenge, you know, scoring systems, all sorts of stuff. So I'll, I'll I think we're approaching the end here. So I'd like to Eduardo ask you maybe just you know one of the things we like to do is to try to inspire kind of the next generation of hackers. Do you have any tips to those people who are just starting out on their you know, hacking or CTFing journey, like how they can, you know, be successful and be, how can we be you is basically, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that uh, because I, 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 you shared some of the ideas of things to talk about and, and that one probably is complicated. So um, one of the things that I think I will say is that the, the not everyone in the community is as nice as these two guys. <laughs> so they, <laughs> so they, they, I Thank remember you. that um, I, when I was just starting, um, I, like I, I was reading like tutorials and then how things work and so on. And then there was this one tutorial that was talking about like uh, FTP, um, like using, it was like a long time ago. So uh, just FTPing into random servers and then seeing what they have in the in their FTP server. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, one of the things that I never, I, I, that wasn't in the, in the tutorial or, or in the documentation or whatever was uh, how to get the IP address of the, of the person that you were to connect into, right? So it was just like, okay, so you, you have a domain name, so you just put the domain. But the at, the at the time it wasn't clear to me. I was just starting and I didn't know anything. 
So uh, I, I joined this IRC channel and asked like, okay, so um, I was following this tutorial that I found on your website or on your communities, uh, mm -hmm. like as, uh, it was a PDF, I guess. And um, <laughs> and I asked, so, but one thing that is not mentioned anywhere in this tutorial that is obviously for beginners is um, how to get the IP address of your victim. So how do you get the IP address of the victim? And everyone responded with X, D, 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 D. And uh, I was like, shit, I don't know what is X, D, 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 D. I, I, I must Google what is X, D, 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 D. So I, I Googled it and I couldn't find out what it X, X, D, 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 D was. And it took me maybe months to find out that it was just people laughing at me. But the, <laughs> but the, but yeah, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that not, not giving up and not everyone is not nice. A lot of people are very nice and are willing there to help. And uh, yeah, and, CTFs are a good way to start because some of them are for beginners. So you are able to just go by your own pace and you can read instructions online about how other people solve similar challenges. Same for war games and so on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, not, not getting discouraged by the, the people that yeah, aren't super welcoming, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's hard, but once you get past that initial time of awkwardness, um, then everyone is super nice. But the, <laughs> the like, yeah, it, it's not always possible to, to do so. And um, yeah, don't give up. I think that's amazing. I think that's great. Go on. The people that are not nice are, um, for example, there, there are certain people, even on this call, that might, uh, under extreme pressure, oh. be not nice on IRC. I thought you were blaming me, but yes, we understand. <laughs> no, uh. no I, I, I've been that nice on IRC during a CTF when everything's melting down. And, you know, but um, afterwards, um, I'd say, you know, this sort of advice to reach out and, and don't be afraid of, of, um, of people, but, but keep in mind, you know, it might just be on a Tuesday is better to email them than on, uh, or, or ask on IRC than on, you know, Saturday night when, uh, everything is down and the CTFs on fire. <laughs> sure. All right. Great point. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Eduardo. We really enjoyed having you here. Do you have anything you want to plug? I know you're on Twitter at, uh, is it Sir Darkcat? Yeah. Is that how you uh, pronounce that? Awesome. And I'll, of course, link in the show notes and everything. Do you, is there anything you want to plug uh, that people should check out? Uh, mm, I, sh I, I wish I had uh, thought about Are you hiring, before. maybe? <laughs> uh yeah, but I, I think um, it's you will not find the position online because the way that our <laughs> thing works is complicated. But uh, yeah, no, so, um, oof, I'm in the spot now. Uh, mm, donate to save the whales or something. I don't know. <laughs> ah, perfect. There we go. Awesome. No, no, no. That's great. That's great. Hey, cool. thank well, you for uh, coming on. Yeah, for awesome sure. This was amazing. I think it was a great you know conversation and we didn't... Uh, we didn't start out with the goal of necessarily uh, realizing that all CTF organizers are essentially have similar experiences, but I think that's a great place to land on for that people to, to understand. So, awesome. you know, thanks for joining us today, everyone. Uh, I'm De Adam D. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Dupay. He's Zardis. You can find him on Twitter at Zardis. Together, we are CTF Radio, and you can find us online at YouTube and Twitter at CTF Radio with three O's. You can send questions to us through email at ctfradio at gmail.com. And who knows, we may use one of your questions on an upcoming episode of CTF Radio. Take care and happy hacking. Bye-bye.